his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. And I think we are live. Yo, yo, yo. Say something again. Yo, yo, yo. Got you in there. Dope, dope, dope. What up, though, people? This is your boy, Brandon Dent, a.k.a. Detroit Kool-Aid. Look who we got, man. Mr. Everything here, Jeff Iafrady. We're going to talk about some interesting well, The shades things. come on. It just got real. Just... <laughs> no, Let's we... go. <laughs> it's 10 a.m. It's 10 a.m., Brandon. Oh, but I man. need that. I need that energy this morning. I do. Let's rock. Let's rock. Man, we got some interesting things that we want to talk about. <laughs> but as always, when we get Jeff Iafrady on, sometimes I just want Jeff Iafrady to talk. Man, we got what Dylan Brooks on the topics. We got Kay Cunningham. We got Jay and Ivy, Scoot Henderson, and what they could be. Uh, we got the coaching search update and then whatever is just in the mind of Jeff Iafrady, man. Also, just at the beginning here, you guys see this here, Jeff and Gentry. Whenever you can, definitely tap in. Yes, sir. Uh, support them. You guys heard me talk about Jeff and Gentry this morning on the What We're Pistons podcast with Rod Beard. I need you all to support. Definitely some great content going on. But Jeff, where where are we starting, bro? We'll start with Dylan Brooks. Let's let's just <laughs> let, can we just get the address the elephant in the room? Uh, well, number one, I appreciate you by the way, Brandon, uh, for everything. And, and and Jeff and Gentry, you could check them out. Jeff and Gentry, check us out rather. Uh, Jeff and Gentry show on YouTube. But Dylan Brooks, man, and. <sighs> And this isn't even related to LeBron, because if you guys know me, you know how I feel about LeBron. All right. I'm a big LeBron guy. I'm a LeBron defender. Um, I simply respect greatness. That's what I would say. But Dylan Brooks, this has nothing to do with LeBron. I, I have been I have been. I've been against Dylan Brooks, not just on the Pistons, but just in general. He, he's been one of the most frustrating players, I think, to to at least keep up on over the last couple of years. For a lot of reasons. I mean, it it, it it comes from, you know, me simply just never respecting guys that I listen. It, it, I get why people say, well, villains, I love villains and villains can be entertaining. But when you're a villain who's shooting 39% from the field playoff flame out and you can't even you can't even shoot what 30%. He didn't even get clear 40 in the playoffs as well. And you're talking all that trash talking about. Yeah, I, I want to see the Lakers. LeBron's going to have to put up 40 on me like Dylan Brooks. You needed this slice of humble pie. Like this man needed it, and the fact that it was it was reported yesterday, which I loved, um, how it was worded too. Sham, uh, Shams tweeted this: the Memphis Grizzlies will not be bringing back Dylan Brooks. Quote under any circumstances. There we go. <laughs> you know what that means, by the way. You know what that means, like Bruh. he could say he could say, "Can I play for a dollar? Can I play for a dollar?" And the Grizzlies would say, "No, we're okay." And again, I, I feel like that move, you know, telling Dylan Brooks to, you know, kick rocks is partially a PR move because let's be honest, the Grizzlies with the John Morant stuff and, and just the culture, the culture the Grizzlies have. And, and again, John Morant, it's also John. It's not all Dylan Brooks. John Morant saying I'm fine in the West. Like that's embarrassing. And I think Dylan Brooks, that, that, that departure needed to happen. No, I don't want him on the Pistons. Not even because of what he brings attitude wise. He's not even like People get frustrated. Jeff, Jeff didn't even let me get to that question. No, people get frustrated, <laughs> man, with with Sadiq Bay. Okay, Sadiq Bay, because he's an inefficient shooter. You know, he's again, he, he's somebody streaky. And you want Dylan Brooks? No, no. So yeah, no, no way in hell. Like Rob Parker says, no way, no how. There's no way in hell. That I want Dylan Brooks on the Pistons, and I think that conversation needs to end before it even starts. So uh, we'll get that out of the way. Yeah, Dylan Brooks, you, you can kick rock. We didn't even get Shadow yet. Ask him the question, Jeff. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, and, and I'm sure Sean will agree with me there. Like that, we'll we'll ask him out of just out of respect, you know, give him his say. So we will do that. But yeah, yeah, you know what? It's interesting because we're we're working behind the scenes to make this this kind of platform work. Know, get you and Rod uh, back on the same streams again. There we go. And um, it's interesting, though, because 
whether we're agreeing, whether we're disagreeing, uh, the thought processes generally are something that we can all understand. But if this one, shout out to Ryan, man. But with this one, well, we've all kind of been in, in the same line of thought process. Like even Rod, he was like, man, under no circumstance, like they don't want this man for free. And we tried, you know, we went through the process of what are the pros? What are the cons? When you were talking about Dylan Brooks, I asked Rod just specifically, man, give me the pros. Cause we know it. And he went through, he's like, well, you know, can he be Lance Stevenson? Can he be an all-time instigator? We're not talking about talent. Can he be an instigator that makes a difference? Can he be Patrick Beverly? Somebody who we've talked about on this show and on this platform multiple times. Can he be that? And when we sat there and he started saying, you know, we talked about the regular season. Uh, we got into the hype. You know, I see my man is on. So we got to get the come on. Yeah. Sean, Sean, I'm so glad you're here, my man. Because, again, I, I just I just addressed the whole Dylan Brooks thing. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jeff is going to kill me, bro. <laughs> First of all, did I see Kool-Aid start this stream with the with the freaking Dylan Brooks thing where they party like this? <laughs> Did I did I have to awaken my improv Sean is about to roast me. Sean, <laughs> like, would we agree, Sean? You're not touching Dylan Brooks with a 30-foot pole. I ain't touching him with a 50-foot pole, but it, like it <laughs> no, but like here, here's the thing with Dylan Brooks, because I think it's important to, you know, like look at the context of of why. It's not just the bad play, it's not just the chirping with LeBron and then like not showing up in the media. It's not just because he didn't look great in this plat in this past playoff series. It's because of the culture that's built in Memphis or lack thereof. It's the issues that are happening in the locker room. It's the fact that this team at one point earlier in the year did look like a legitimate title contender. And then just through their chirping and through their immature behavior worked themselves out of that position. And so Dylan Brooks was a big part of that culture deteriorating. And if he was, if, if, if there are reports coming about coming out about Dylan Brooks saying he wants to go to a, to, to a young team and, you know, prove himself and, and help cultivate, you know, a, like a leadership role in a locker room, that's one thing. But when reports are coming out saying that Dylan Brooks wants an extended offensive role, that's where I go. No, God, please. No. Never, please, never in my life do I want that in a Pistons uniform. Like, and, and it, it's just the reality of the fact that this is a guy who this past season shot 39% from the field, 32% from three. He's not necessarily efficient. He's not as necessarily a, prof like, offense is just not his proficiency. There's points where he's been reliable on that end. But, like, listen, if we're going to bring in a guy and, you know, pay him, you know, like whatever Dylan Brooks is going to command, we got to get production and we got to make sure he's not a distraction. And Dylan Brooks, you know, does not provide the positive on either of those mm -hmm. things. You said it at the end, distraction. He cannot be a distraction. And now, you know, Rod and I, we actually went about and bantied the the aspects of, you know, what is it going to cost? What is it going to be? If you brought in a Dylan Brooks and we both said, we probably wouldn't give him more than we would even think about giving Killian. It, like Rod said, right now he's on three for 35 mil. He's not giving that man more, north of eight. And he's like, I would talk that down to six and tell him this is your prove it year. If you can't do it here, you're not getting anything else. And that was underneath the circumstance of finding the pros. This wasn't underneath the circumstance. D-Mac. <laughs> Legend. Camera set up. But, you know, it was underneath those types of guys. It's like, if this were to happen, what can he provide? And you're right. It's the distraction of it all. He made himself bigger than the team. It would be different. You wouldn't know if the team was the one who pushed Dylan Brooks to be the, I'm poking the Bears, look at my DB chain, I'm walking. No, that was Dylan Brooks pushing his free agency agenda. And it would have worked if it wasn't for those pesky L.A. Lakers and LeBron James. Like, it, 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 he was tricking people. I told Rod, you know, we were getting into the hype of it all. You know, I saw the meme, like, oh, I'm starting to like, bro. And the team was getting into it. And, and it's like, you know, it worked for a while. But they're mm -hmm. looking for you to back that type of stuff up. And on a squad like this, with the young players that we have, we can't have the, the, the playable vets, the vets that we're talking about they need. They don't need the Rodney Magruder and Kojo vets. They need the 27, 28-year-old vets that they tried to turn Hamadou Diallo into. That can make a difference on the court and not be a distraction. Like, I'm so glad you brought that word up. Right. You know, and, and Jeff, man, he was just like, I will address this just because, but I don't really want to <laughs> because it makes no sense. 
Right. And that's why I'm, I'm glad we're all there. We can deal with it on a professional sense and say, okay, he's an NBA player. If you were going to put him in a container, this is what it would be, but not on not on my Pistons, bro. Right. <laughs> no. And, and people, and, and like, and, and I understand, like, people, like, you know, could go to the fact of, well, you know, he, he, he's, you know, he's a bad boy or he has that type of, you know, play where he fits that old school Pistons type of, of mentality. And it's like, well, the reality of it is like the Pistons weren't like that team wasn't primarily a dirty team. They went out to play hoops and play who like play hoops hard. And, you know, I just, again, just with everything that's happened, just where, you know, where he's at in his career, just, I just don't think it's a good fit. Not at all. No, not at all. And even even the antics, like I can understand if you're doing those antics and you're producing, but again, like the antics, you talk about if they would have beat the Lakers. Can we just discuss if Dylan Brooks can make a shot? I think that would have also helped his own case. It's not something to do with the Lakers. It's Dylan Brooks. You, you couldn't hit the side of a barn. So like that, that's the problem with Dylan Brooks. And again, for somebody to come into a young team like that, like to be to bring the, the the wrong type of attention. Like I don't even know how people can make an argument. You want Dylan Brooks, right? Like, it, 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 like Sean, when you sent me the tweet, and, and it was that, and I give credit to you because I didn't know about the tweet until you sent it to me. When they wouldn't, they like the under fact that the tweet any under any circumstance. That's like the biggest red flag there is. Like Not I just only, told that was I just told Brandon to the, he could have yeah. said I'll play for a dollar. And they would have said, get lost. No way. That was a message from the, that was a message to the league. That was a message to the team. That was a, that was a, a big red beacon that said, we're not letting this fly anymore. And, you know, like we, we only see about a 10th of what actually happens in a locker room or like Mm -hmm. what's actually going on within the team dynamics. But I mean, listen, when you have to be answering questions about, your fourth best player in your starting five all throughout a playoff series when John Morant has to sit there after every single game and talk less about basketball and talk more about the antics of Dylan Brooks. I mean, you're, you're in a series, you know, that that's just a genuine issue. And, you know, we just don't want to bring that type of attention in, in, in especially when I would say this is probably the most delicate stage Mm-hmm. of the Pistons rebuild because you have a lot of talent and guys that you believe can take that next step. But if you bring in guys who, you know, are, are not the influence that you want, who are going to, you know, te- like teach bad habits, who aren't going to, you know, show you what it means to be a pro, because that's the reality of it. Dylan Brooks just hasn't been a pro. So yeah, that, and, and, I mean, my opinion. you know what being a pro is too, when you talk trash, you don't play well, and you don't go see the media right after a game like that. That's the type of a guy that I don't want grooming any of these young players. Nope. Like that is ridiculous. So, um, yeah, we can move on from that discussion. <laughs> Big no from, from all three of us here. Yeah, we we only carried it out. We were like, we need to be fair to Murphy and make sure he can give his apt answer. And Jeff was like, yeah, yeah, we'll make sure you can answer. But yeah, uh, like we all just have to explain why it's no. It's not right. even like a. It's not even like yes ever answers the equation. It's just why is this a terrible idea? <laughs> why is this a terrible idea? I like the way you put that, man. But uh, look, we we wanted to talk about a couple different things here. Uh, Jaden Ivy K Cunningham backcourt, as well as the implication of if Scoot Henderson or Scoot Henny was added to this roster as well. Uh, Sean, man, I'll start with you as it relates to Jay Nivey, K. Cunningham, and what we were able to see from them, what we know of K. Cunningham, and what you're looking forward to with this backcourt. But I also want to put this wrinkle: what needs to happen for this backcourt to succeed? Well, first of all, I, I, I think you know the the thing that that this backcourt needs to succeed is time, and I think mm-hmm. you know, like I think this season, especially, you know, just. You know, it's going to be a trial and error run. But I think the reality of it is, I think if it once you saw the glimpses of Kate and Ivy, as far as the relationship, their communication, you know, their clear desire to want to make it work, because you don't always get that from young backcourts. There's always, you know, there can always be an underlying competitive nature between the two. But the reality of it is these two guys clearly want to play together. And I think a lot of the things that we needed to see about whether or not these two could fit together came from, you know, a lot of aspects of Jaden Ivey's game. Because, you know, quite frankly, I don't think any of us have questions about Kate Cunningham. 
and what he can do mm-hmm. and who he can fit by. Because I mean, he's literally the, you know, the perfect basketball player to have on your team as far as a teammate. But with Jaden Ivey, it was, you know, how can his three point sh- shot develop? How can his playmaking be? How, you know, can he play off the ball? And I think if you saw anything, from you know Jaden Ivey's rookie year and the evolution that he had was how much more comfortable he got in the mid range as the season went on, how much more comfortable he got you know from his three point shot as the season went on. Uh, Jack Kelly, I think, did a good thread of uh, just showcasing like some of the you know statistics about how Ivy was a different player from day one versus game eighty two and like some things in particular. You know, Ivy was was really effective at getting at shooting threes off the of screens. You know, he was re- he was really good at catch and shoot threes on the perimeter. So I think, you know, with 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 Kate and Ivy being able to open up so many opportunities for each other, but also just Ivy's maturity as a playmaker as well. We we thought he could be, mm. you know, we thought he could, you know, he could be a pretty good playmaker coming into the league, but like this guy's a damn good playmaker. Like by the end of the year, like this guy was flat out manipulating class. defenses. So, yeah. you know, it's it's just quite frankly it's it's those types of complementary skills that that really kind of telegraph whether or not those types of guards can play together and i think you know with i especially with ivy's with ivy and cade's length their versatility on on both sides of the court i think it makes it a really really good fit and i'm just excited to see it. it just needs time they just need to be on the court together yeah, and I think the fact that they're so different actually helps the case that they can play together. Like that, Cade is is super unselfish. Um, there's a reason why you call him the connector um, with his play style. And, and again, if if he played a a very different type of of, uh, of if he had a different type of play style, more so, you know, a little more selfish. Uh, I think that would be more of an awkward fit. But I think Cade and Jade and both of their play styles blend really well together. And the fact that you know Jay Nivey is is gifted of a playmaker as he is. Like some would argue, well, you know, you, you got to find ways to get both those guys to basketball. Oh, absolutely. You will be able to like, mm-hmm. that is not my concern. I mean, especially when Cade's off the floor, the fact you have Ivy in the game, that could be a legitimate threat, not only scoring the basketball, but what he can do setting up his teammates. I, I mean, I love the fit. So I think Sean kind of nailed all the points, but um, Cade, the way Cade approaches and the way Cade plays basketball, I think that's going to benefit uh, Ivy and vice versa. And I think yeah, they're great for is- each other. And I think another thing as well, that's kind of an underrated aspect is that it kind of gives you different flavors and different varieties and you can kind of make, like make different adjustments. Like for example, the, um, the Denver nuggets, I, I placed a bet on them yesterday to win the title because in my opinion, they're the most versatile team left in, in the, in the playoffs. And one of the big things about them is they can change their play style if needed. They can put Jokic on the bench. They can bring in a small ball five. They can go big. They, they have a lot of different guys who can defend at different positions and when you can, you know, when you can adjust your play style and, you know, with Cade and Ivy, they both can run the offense in completely different ways. You know, Ivy can bring, bring a lot more explosiveness and bursts and Cade can be really methodical and, you know, tear apart a defense. So I think the fact that, you, you know, you have those options, you, you can change it up in a lot of different ways. Like, I think that's that's another thing that would just make that like that just makes that backcourt so tantalizing. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I love the aspects of Jay and Ivy that we've seen this year because it did answer a lot of the questions like you guys have said. I know that to start off our draft coverage series last year, we heard a lot of the drawbacks against Jay and Ivy and instantly went to, and this was a, the, the term or the phrase of last summer that Jeff brought up, what were they asked to do? Was Jay and Ivy asked to do any of the things that we say are our questions or our drawbacks? Right. Uh, and then he came into the season and said, you guys had questions about three-point shooting? I'm going to not only make threes at a good clip, but I'm going to do it with volume. You guys have questions about my playmaking? I'm the best one in the class. I'm the best playmaker in the class by a long shot, realistically. You know, these are the things that Jay and Ivy came in right away. Two of the biggest things, and then we, we started to kind of push up this notion of mid-range because people said when he gets there, he can't do nothing. People were saying, I remember one person said it looked like he was playing shot put when he would get into the mid-range. We saw this guy go and answer all those questions. And you know what it really remarked on? How cheesy is it when you hear he's a son of a coach? But then how validating is it when you see him improve, when you see him be able to take criticism, when you see right. him be able to step he's forward? He's coachable. Very coachable. Mm-hmm. And, and beyond that, being able to go and say midseason, you know, he might have – to me, I'm not going to ever tell him don't think these ways. He was not the sole reason why this team was losing. His defense was not the sole reason why this team was losing games. It was not. But he felt that. He said, you know what? I went to Coach B about midway through the season, and I told him this. 
you know, I need to get my defense better. Um, and he specifically called out, you know, um, man-to-man defense, you know, lockdown defense as well as other um, aspects of defense that he wants to get better at. And I thought that that was very, very mature of him. When we're talking about time, I think that works both ways. They don't have a lot of time to waste, but they do have to get their time in together. And knowing that we have these two high IQ basketball players who are doing everything to get better from a basketball and a professional sense, but also from a personal sense. Right. We can relate to that, man. We know that we're going to bring our best on this show. We're going to try and bring our best to this content. We also understand who we're doing this with and for. Our observers and the people that we do this stuff for and with, we connect with. And then what we do together, this matters. And I see that out of Jay and Ivy and Kay Cunningham. These guys want to be great for the city, for the fans, for each other, for themselves, and for what it means professionally. And and that's, I think, what stood out the most from Jay and Ivy this season out of anything else. I think, you know, and, and, you know, as great as, you know, we talked a lot about Memphis, as great as a guy like John Morant is, I'll take Jaden Ivey every day of the week and twice on Sunday, because like a big difference to me is you look at John Morant when, when they're on the brink, when they're on the brink of elimination, five minutes to go, they're down by 40. All you can see on the bench is him laughing and joking around with teammates and just, you know, vibing, you know, kind of looking like, well, I got paid, you know, I'm good. You know, and, you know, with Jay Nivey, you know, his rookie season games that, you know, he knew were largely for development. You know, he knew were largely, you know, the team wasn't looking at wins and losses like Ivy looked physically ill every single night that 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 they that they lost. And especially like those particular moments, like when he called the timeout when he didn't have the timeout. And then like you bring up like those like defensive errors, like he took those personally and only went and worked even harder after that. So I think, you know, you look at those. You're like, yes, like, Jay, like, you know, like John Morant is like an absolute revelation on the court. But like, you know, it's those interpersonal, those little things that like tell like what these players really can be over the long term. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I, obviously this is something that I think we all believe in. But I wanted to kind of ask this little wrinkle as well uh, with our belief in Jay and Ivan K. Cunningham. Do you believe that there's any aspect of us overrating these players, you know, going into next season? um. I'm not necessarily expecting this team to be one that is making the play-in tournament, though I do believe that it's a team that has, if the talent works the right way, mm-hmm. not even if the picks or if the free agency is done the right way, they have holes. But I do believe in the talent in the squad that if it all worked the right way, if Kay Cunningham is who we say he is, if Jaden Ivey is who we think he is, and if Jalen Duran and these guys take a, a good solid step forward, I do believe that this team has the ingredients to compete for a play-in that doesn't mean I believe that they're going to make it. I do right. believe and I, this team, huh? And and I think you did a really good qualifier there because I think you, I think it's you know I went because to answer your question, Kool Aid, I think a lot of it comes down to, are we overrating it? Well, it comes down to what are your expectations, right? Because I think you know you, you like every fan looks at this team and goes, man, these guys are extremely talented. But right after draft night last year, people were saying playoffs, and it's like, hold on, guys. The goal should be play in. And, right. you know, as, as much as we believe in, you know, in Cade and Ivy and whatever additions we can make, even if we go get Wimby and then another star this offseason. You mean when we get go get Wimby? I, I, the basketball gods do not <laughs> listen to him. <laughs> um, All right, look, bro, I just knocked on wood. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for that. It, all, all every single one at home, if you're if you're listening, please collectively knock on wood. One, two, three, <laughs> knock. Here we go. Anyway, but like even if we were to get Wemby and let's say Jalen Brown, a realistic like they wouldn't be finals contenders right away. That would be like let's go maybe get the sixth seed, right? Like the reality of it is, there is so much depth in these conferences. And again, Darren Fox, it took him till year seven to get to the playoffs, you know, like there's guys that have a lot of talent and it just takes a long time. So I think the reality of it is like, like we know these ceilings are super high on these guys. It's just, let's remember, like, we're going to be better next year. That doesn't mean we're going to be, you know, hosting a home playoff series. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm glad that those qualifiers are out there, Jeff. I want to be able to get your, your take on it too, Mm but I, I like the notion should be, that this squad came into this year stating that they wanted to take the right steps forward to be playing. These are words that they're saying themselves. And as, you know, B coverage, we want to make sure that we're aptly and responsibly reporting that. 
this mm-hmm. team believes that their standards should be that they're making the play-in tournament next right. year or that they're at least competing for it. That's what they are saying. I do believe that with the right parts, with the right pieces, that Troy Weaver can help move this team closer to that being a reality to the point that if they don't make it, it feels like a disappointment. I do believe that. Yep. But the, those moves are still to be seen. We got to see where this team is going to land. We got to see what moves specifically are being made and if they can nail down what we've been screaming for well over a year. I remember when people were laughing, when we were pulling out the Jamie Grant posters, we were bringing up a lot of the aspects of how big of a loss is this going to be. And people, and when we got bullying, I said, no, 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 we flipped exactly what we needed. We got a guy who's going to be better for us on offense. Mm-hmm. We don't really, really, really need the, you know, the, the, the aspect of defense that he brings. And then we saw, yeah, actually, we need exactly what he brought. And then it, did we forget 35, 36% shooting from three? That one always boggles my mind when I yeah. hear that that Jeremy Grant didn't shoot well or he was a ball stopper. There were things to do better. Well, you know what it really was, Kool-Aid? People were just mad that when Cade came right in after his injury, right at the beginning of his rookie year, they were yeah. just mad that they didn't just let Cade shoot 30 shots a night right away. Like, <laughs> like, like, yes, like I get that you don't want to see Jeremy Grant be like the number one scoring option on that team, but like the reality of it is like, like Kool-Aid and I and like Jeff, you and you and I even, we were all like, all right, cool. Like, how are you going to replace Jeremy Grant? And it's like, I'm sorry, what's that? <laughs> it's like we were talking about, like, last year, like, if they were going to make the play-in, they were going to have to do it by committee. Guys like Sadiq Bey were going to have to take a big step on that end. Even guys like Marvin Bagley were going to have to take a step yep. on that end. Like, it was going to have to be by committee. And the reality of it is we saw they didn't have the personnel. We saw they didn't have the health. And, you know, let's be honest, like you, like you said, Kool-Aid, it's like you can't just you can't just replace a guy like that overnight. You can't. No, you can't. And, and I'm going to head out in a little bit just because I got to make sure I got to get back to my duties. But I want to address this because you 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 brought up a great point um, and expectations for this season. Although it's super early, you know, we don't know even know hell whether they're going to land in the lottery. We don't know what they're going to do in free agency. But my way too early expectations to me as it, it, with a new head coach, it should be play it. Like, again, the whole idea of, of challenging for a plan, I think that gives a leeway for accepting not making the plan. It should be disappointment. It should be frustration if you don't make a plan. Because in my opinion, with where the Pistons have been, now given they are they have to, they have to be healthy. I think that's, that's the asterisk I'm putting on that. Because, of course, yeah. if Cade goes down or something like that, then, of course, things change. But if they're healthy and you have a, a Victor Wimbenyama or, hell, even a Brandon Miller, and you have a pretty good offseason and you address the holes you mentioned on this team, you get you know uh, two-way wings that can shoot, uh, whatever it is, then, yes, I, I think the play-in is realistic. Because even Orlando this year, we, I, know, I know Orlando has a lot more depth. They even were, were at least competing for the plans. So I think the yeah. Pistons need to be in that position now. Um, if they don't make it, will I be upset? No, because, again, th- at least they're taking the right steps. So I, I can't say it would be a failure of a season, but I'd be disappointed. I think I would if they didn't make the plan because it's important. It, it, if you have a team that, you know, for the first, I guess, for Cade specifically, his first three years, and I know his second year he was unavailable for most of it, but if you end those three years with, missing the plan every single year and not even just missing the plan by the way having a top five pick like that obviously can't happen so the steps i I would say 35 to 40 wins this year um should be the goal and i think they can do that given now Cade will be in year three you'd have ivy in year two and like sean made a great point it's not just those guys like you need others to take significant steps too like you need a durin to look better which i assume he will by the way james wiseman like these guys are all gonna have to be big big contributors and on top of that you got to hit on the right head coach. I, I think that has to be stated as well. I mean, you yeah. can't go out there. If he's the right guy, then yes, I think the plan should be a realistic goal. And if they do that, then they're primed that that following season to, all right, guys, we got guys going into year four. We got guys going into year three. Like, this is where now we, we say we're a playoff team. And if we don't make the playoffs, now then it's a disappointment. So I think they're on the right track. But again, they have a busy summer ahead of them. Troy's going to have to make some some like significant decisions not just drafting k1 but getting the head coach right wherever they're picking in the lottery hitting on that pick finding the right fits in free agency like there's a lot of things troy's gonna have to do which again i trust troy to do that um but those the decisions made this summer will tell what they're going to do this year and for the following years to come so and if it's looking, a busy summer man and if you're looking for a league comp as far as like for expectations of like of like the steps this team should take i think you look at a team like the thunder of this past year who were able to, you know, take the team, you know, the players that they had within their system 
And, you know, even without Chet, they were able to take that next step because of the young talent. And, you know, even if they didn't make it through the playing tournament, they still got to the playing game and they had a hell of a performance. Absolutely. And and that's something to build off of. Yep. Yep. Uh, Great commentary. And and honestly, I love doing this stuff. You guys listen. We got some new content that's on the way. It's still in the works and still planning. But uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, Jeff, Sean and I uh, finally getting this Wilbur Pissing show of things off the ground. And honestly, when that stabilizes, you're going to be seeing our faces a couple of times a week here, as well as some other content that kind of pushes us out. We're going to be having fun. We're going to be breaking down the game. We're going to be family. We're going to have some behind the scenes stuff as well. Definitely tap in on May 20th. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I love what's going on right be now there. with the guys. And this stuff is just kind of confirmation of that. And I'm getting people saying, man, yo, you guys' chemistry is dope. So I appreciate you all. I appreciate the observers. Definitely hit the like button and subscribe because we got a lot on the way. Some exclusives that are going to be hitting the Woodward Sports website as well with uh yours truly <laughs> you see him over there <laughs> mr sean murphy we're gonna be fooling this everything and myself and i can't be i'm i'm ecstatic man i'm mm-hmm. ecstatic but before we let mr everything go here you got to talk to me about scoot Haney, mr henderson bro scoot henderson is, is starting to kind of be somewhere people are going back and forth on who is the number two prospect right um i know you've been a big brandon miller guy talk to me about scoot uh, well, there's not. I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit in here and say anything bad about Scoot. I think there's a lot of things to like about Scoot Henderson. I think we can all agree there. Um, and I, we mentioned this on From Half Court, which you can go check that out already. Um, the podcast drops today. Uh, and, and we mentioned this too with Scoot. Is it BPA or is it fit? And, and we would all agree that the Pistons aren't in a position to draft on fit. It's it's about best player available. Now, the question I have, though, if you take Scoot, and, and one thing that I'm going to keep pushing for is when you have two dynamic ball handlers that can set teammates up uh, that are very different in, in which ways, like for Ivy, his speed, his, his athleticism, his ability to attack the basket, what he can do in transition. And then there's Cade, the Swiss army knife, you know, what he can do in the half court sets in, in breaking down defenses. Like I want the ball in both of those guys' hands. I, I want it. I want it to stay Maximize in those guys. Hands. And that's my, that's the part I struggle with because I agree that the Pistons should go BPA. And of course, if you want to say, we'll draft scoot and whoever's the worst player, see you later, trade him for a star and we'll keep scoot. I get that philosophy. But for me, if you're sitting there at two or three at three, it'd be much easier. Cause we would assume that, you know, maybe scoot would go two most likely, but if let's say you're at two and Troy's going to have to make a decision, the whole point I love Kate at point guard. The reason why I love Kate is because of what he brings in terms of advantages, guarding other point guards, being six, six, having versatility to your point. Once you move Kate to the three, he he loses that that advantage he he naturally has at the one. Again, I think he can still play. Uh, I think Kate is is good enough to play multiple positions. But ideally, I'd like him to stay at point guard and have him and Ivy as the backcourt. That's my hesitancy with Scoot. It has nothing to do with his talent. It's it's more so the fit, especially this year if you're if you're looking to make a play and run um, or play and sp- land a play and spot. So for me, I'm still on. You know, uh, there's a lot of guys I like. Clearly, Victor's number one. We'd all agree there. Uh, but Brandon Miller would love that fit. There's other guys I love the fit, but you I could. struggle with it. If I'm being honest with you guys, and we hit on it too, Sean. But the whole BPA versus fit, right? Um, well, you I think could Pistons, also make, and I think no, go you on. could make an argument real quick, Jeff, that Brandon Miller could also be the BPA as well. True. Like, I think, like I think True. that's part of why this conversation is getting so complicated is because. Brandon Miller played himself into the conversation. Like, let's not take anything away from that. But the question is, you know, like, do do you get for, do you go for what Brandon Miller could be? Or do you know, do you go for what you know Scoot Henderson will be? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? I think Scoot might be more of the surefire thing. And, and Sean, I think I could even go as far to say, and I'm a big Brandon Miller guy, but if we're talking ceiling, like Scoot ceiling, is I think we can agree and what he can be in the league is, is higher than Brandon. Now you're, you make a great point because I've seen boards with Brandon Miller as a second best player. So just say, if you draft him too, it's not only fit. I mean, it would be Troy also believing that, Hey, this kid could be the second best player of the draft. So there's a lot of points to go either way with it. That's why I love the yeah. discussion. Yeah. yeah. The question it, it, is, you know, just, you know, in a bubble, where is he on, on Troy's board? That's where I'd be. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we're going to have some shows as well, where we start to dissect. Uh, what is Troy Weaver's big board? You know, mm-hmm. see how close we can get to that. Oh, Hell, we just found out Wiseman was the number one player on his big board uh, yep. years ago. So you, you, no one knows until it's years later. Yep. Yeah. Nobody. Hey, shout out to, to a lot of the regulars in the uh, chat. Shout out Jalen. Jalen. Table Talk members. He's also going to be helping out with a lot of our live events. Oh, and things boy. Like that 
Yo, it, it's a great addition, man. Great addition. He also he's gonna be rolling with us on May 20th to Ashton's three on three tournament. Shout out to Ashton Bennings, aka Ashton the trainer, and Cannon Cunningham, brother of K Cunningham. Those guys are putting it on for the city. Uh May 20th. Definitely check the socials. They have the sign-up form for their three-on-three tournament presented by Rank Management. It's going to be a heck of an event, and we want to see you guys out there. Please, come on out. Rock with us. Uh, Miss Everything is going to be there. Yes, sir. Sean Murphy is going to be there. Detroit Kool-Aid. Jalen's already confirmed. We're going to have some others there. I'm going to put it up there. Is that the... uh, There we go. Yes, sir. Thank you, Sean. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sean. Absolutely. And that's some more information that we could sign up. Do you want to say anything about it, Sean or Jeff? Uh, Sean, I will actually, I got to head out. I'm going to let Sean, I, I trust Sean to take the lead on this, but I will be there. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Um, just to be mingling with everyone, networking, meeting people that, that tune in that are fans of the Pistons. It's going to be exciting, man. I can't wait for it, but appreciate you guys, Sean, my guy, uh, Jeff, Brandon, beautiful bastard. You. My guys, man. I appreciate you all. Jeff, all right. beautiful bastard. Uh, yeah, man. No, it's, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, Four, you know, thousand dollar prize for everyone that wins. In addition to a Cade Cunningham autographed jersey, Pistons players will be in the boarding. It will be in the building, not the boarding. Uh, board, uh, baby. Yeah. Uh, Say <laughs> uh, Say the baby is going to be in the. Uh, yeah, we the board. Gosh dang it. Uh, Say the baby is going to be in the building as well. So I mean, listen, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. I mean, you know, just. I mean, shout out, yeah, like you said, shout out to Ash and Cannon for putting on for the community. But in addition, just excited to see people and, you know, would love this to be a big, you know, get together event for Pistons Twitter. Yeah, and it's going to be a big week as well for Woodward Pistons. We're going to be debuting some shows. We're going to be launching some other um, cool content as well, man. Sean, I told the people we're going to keep it under wraps a little bit and we're just going to drop it on their heads at once, one time. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Money Train James. Hey, always one of the regulars in the comments, man. I'm hoping that you're one of the people that we see out there. Uh, we're going to try to have some of our other Woodward Sports uh, personalities and whatnot there as well. We got Mr. Bay Dune. I'm hoping he's going to be there. I, I, I want him to be there, man. By the I way, was... Kool-Aid, can I say one more thing before we go off live? I'm, was... I'm, I've been, am I the only one hovering Shams' Twitter like a hawk? Like, like I, I, I'm like, this guy can break who's getting drafted in the NFL draft. You can tell me that Bryce Young's going number one overall, but you can't tell me any updates on the Pistons coaching search yet. Bro, he told me I was going to have Raisin Brand this morning, and I had it. Like, <laughs> Shams is just, he's hes amazing, bro. Like, the things he's able to do, I, I, I don't quite understand it, but he is amazing. And I'm waiting for this coaching search, man. I'm waiting for that, that Shams reporting. And then it's just there. So we exactly know what this squad is doing, man. I can't wait. Like, I, it's crazy, man. Like, I remember, like, I think he even broke the news of, like, who won the general election a couple years ago. Like, this guy's, like, like, I don't, like, did Shams, like, shell, sell his soul to somebody? Like, I would genuinely love to know, like, like, how he got all these connections. It's, 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 it's insane to me. But, yeah, I'm, it, it, it feels like any day now. We could be getting the announcement of who our new head coach is. And it's crazy, man. Like, it, you know, I, I'm just excited to dive into it and talk about it. I, I, I yeah. just want to know. <laughs> I'm so ready because it, it means so much to where this squad is headed, man. Like, it, you know, the right coach, you kind of know what their game plan is. You know what their philosophy is going to be. You know exactly, like, how they utilize certain types of players. You know, I, I do believe that there's something to Chris Middleton's game and, and shades of what um, Kay Cunningham can add to his game. You know, we don't know what types of lineups they want to run. Though we know Kay Cunningham is the guy who's going to start with the ball in his hands. Are we saying that we don't want to see lineups where he might play the two or the three? You right, know, that's so, the beauty of it. You, you, yeah. you, you, can, you can put him anywhere you need to. Hey, man, we got some of the regu- regulars in here, man. Shout out to Mr. Jones. He's He's been one of the kind of foremost and top supporters. I'm glad for the content that we're making and the new content that's on the way so that guys like him who are always kind of supporting and putting on for us, we can begin to really, really put on for you as well. So definitely shout out, shout out, shout out. And May 16th, man, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun uh, with the NBA Draft Lottery Show. With the coaching search update, is there a candidate at this point in time, Sean, that sticks out to you? I, I believe that there are candidates that have made, as I continue to kind of do some research and digging, they have become a little bit more impressive. I don't know if they've mm-hmm. necessarily jumped up the charts, but Kevin Ali, I believe, is somebody that deserves a little bit more respect 
yeah. uh, than given. Uh, but yeah. obviously, um, I, I feel like Chris Smith, I, I, uh, Chris Quinn, I didn't really want him to just kind of fall off the radar. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want that to happen. I, I love what he could bring to the table from an offensive standpoint. Right. But a lot of the guys that they are looking at, what's key in their background is player development and defense. But I wanted to get your take on the guys that are at the top as well as is there a candidate that you um, that, that you wish was kind of in that top three? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, first of all, you know, like I think real quick to say, like, you know, I know a lot of people freaked out when Ime Udoka was not named the the next coach of the Detroit Pistons. And, you know, Shock I know a lot. All. I feel like, all. <laughs> and I know a lot of people want us to go for like the proven names and are like, what? Like, you know, but the reality of it is like, first of all, Ime Udoka, his proven, his proven track record is only one season. So we have no idea in the long term, you know, like he granted p- perhaps the best debut season a head coach has ever had. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, he's in, it's a little bit of a different situation in Houston than it is in Boston. But a- as far as the guys that like we have, you know, like it, it, for me, I keep circling back to Charles Lane, Jaron Collins in particular, like Kevin Ollie, like you said, he definitely deserves his respect and his resume is unique. And I think from a leadership standpoint, he brings a lot of those, you know, like really great qualities, but I think, I think Charles Lee and Jaron Collins bring those things in a similar light. But I think, you know, like the, the fact that Jaron Collins in particular, he's been such a vital, you know, piece of, you know, he was effectively the defensive coordinator of the Warriors dynasty, but also a big part of the Pelicans improving in their defense in their defense over the last couple of years as well. You know, a guy who's been under Steve Kerr and Willie green, you know, like he just, you know, a guy who played in this league, you know, like he just, you know, seems like a guy who isn't overwhelmed by, um, by situations, just, you know, like the fact that, you know, like he's a guy that came in and like initially wasn't on their list, but like has blown people away. Like he's a guy that like the more I I've searched into him, I've been blown away myself. And Charles Lee as well is just another solid candidate. And he does bring that youth. I think, I think Collins might have a little more experience and and perhaps a little bit more of an impressive resume. But I think Charles Lee does bring a lot of great qualities. And reality of it is these are the top of the top as far as like, you know, like first time coaching candidates. So any of the guys that we hire, it's going to be a great move for the, it's going to be a great move for the organization. In my opinion, I think, I think they can't go wrong with that top three. Yeah. Now look, and you know what you said, a candidate to me that really has kind of creeped up to being one of my favorites. And uh, Mr. Mr. Um, Pega Jones, he just mentioned him too. Jaron Collins. The more and more that I looked into him, all the things that excited us about Charles Lee, save for the youth aspect, because Jaron Collins is a little bit older. You know, I feel like Jaron Collins has a little bit more, you know, a little bit longer in the tooth. You know, he has a little bit more experience as it relates to those championship runs that we talked about. Charles Lee has one with the Bucks. Uh, Jaron Collins got three with the Warriors. Uh, he did learn underneath Steve Kerr. He did learn underneath uh, several other um, aspects of basketball during his playing days as well. And we know what type of player Jaron Collins was. Very rough and tumble, rebound, kind of, you know, it's not the guy that you're trying to pick uh, the fight with. You know, so when I look at Jaron Collins from those angles and then what he's meant to Willie Green's staff. Now, Willie Green's a coach that I covet, bro. If there was a way for the Pistons to just snag Willie Green right now in this thing, already i'd be straight like the fact that now he gets to learn underneath him i'm just like you know what i like that i i i what the pelicans have done i never really took them serious you know but since he's kind of been there i've kind of been like take these guys a little bit more serious they've been a a top five top 10 defense ever since he's gotten there not just because of the personnel but because of the you know the discipline that he's helped bring to that like to that team it's like you know it's willie green like and his staff you know like it's just been you know like it's just been you know and, and to your point like you know, like if you can't go get a willie green you know go get one of his guys and you know like i i and you know again like you know not to dismiss you know charles lee either because again no, you know his resume is great and if you listen to both of these guys you know like like talk about you know like like i like there's just interviews that you can go search and, and find of both of these guys and it's just the way that they talk about their players the way that they talk about their relationships but also just you know, their, their views on, on, on life in the game of basketball. Like, in my opinion, like both of these guys are, are great candidates to lead this business team going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, man, <sighs> I'm glad to have you on. This was awesome. 
it's, it's good always to see, good man. we do content but it's always good i can't wait i know what we're pissing's week is going to be dope we're going to start off with the nba draft lottery we're going to end it with the ashton uh train ashton and cannon's three on three ranked management um three on three tournament i can't wait it's going to be a dope time we're going to be planning a lot of different live events here and there so i want to see everybody out man as many people that can come out and rock with us i definitely want to be able to do that i definitely do um what do you think of chris quinn uh just before we go i've seen his name pop up a couple times and i just wanted to get your thoughts on him offensively defensively i don't i know it's putting you on the spot um, yeah no I, I think i think chris quinn is a you know, is a solid candidate, especially, you know, you look at, you know, the Miami heat, the heat culture, you know, that the, the way that that coaching staff in particular, you know, like Eric Spolstra, in my opinion, you know, just watching the, these playoffs so far, like he's just been lapping the other coaches he's been against. And these are like the 30 best coaches in the world, right? Like he up against Mike Budenholzer. And it's like, and, the, and like in part, and that's not just because of Eric Spolstra, like that's because of the heat culture, the heat organization. So, you know, I definitely think Chris Quinn is a guy that, you know, that, that should be in, you know, that, that definitely should be in the mix. Now, the reality of it is, you know, like we, we do know the, the early top three candidates and the guys that have impressed in particular thus far, I think the reality of it is, and I think an important thing to consider is, you know, like as, as much as I know about Chris Quinn, there's also a lot that we don't know about these coaches, you know, like a lot of it is, you know, a lot of the work that assistant coaches do, a lot of the things that make these guys qualified are the things that we don't see. So as, as far as, you know, like I, I, would I like to see him, you know, like be mentioned in the process, would I like to see him get like an in-person interview? Absolutely. Like, you know, but at the same time, I'm going to trust, I'm going to defer and, and trust, you know, like the judgment of, you know, of, of, of the organization on this front, because, you know, as far as knowing who's a great coach, a lot of that comes down to interpersonal communication, you know, talks with executives throughout the league. You know, the reality of it is like, I think, you know, like he, he's another great candidate, but the other, like the, just the thing about it is mm-hmm. this is a pretty loaded list of, of, you know, qualified candidates. Yes, sir. I, I and as always, Sean Murphy bringing it. Uh, I put him on the spot with that one. I really put him on the spot with this whole episode. We were going to go live today. I was like, you know what? Let's get Sean Murphy in here. So we can really <laughs> start to, to flex these chops. I mean, we, for real, the the content's gonna start dropping soon. We're working on things here behind the scenes to make sure all of it can work without a hitch. It's a lot of moving parts, I'm telling you, especially when we're dealing with people who live in, you know, in different places, different areas, different work schedules. But the grind is about being able to get in front of this camera and be able to do this stuff with each other in terms of the business content and be able to interact with the fans, the followers, our friends, really our Woodward Pistons family is all of us. So I, I'm I'm grateful for it. Am I hooping? MTJ Money Train James. I wanted to. You guys know on uh, on Saturday, um, just based on biblical observance, my belief, um, I, I refrain from certain work and certain activities on Saturday, seventh day of the week. Um, but but every other that, day uh, of the week, he's hooping in his I'm city. Hooping. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hooping. I'm telling you guys, look, we're trying to work on something right now, and I appreciate Sean, bro. We're trying to work on something now. A Wilbur Pistons Invitational. Uh, either the day before or the day after. So I will be hooping in that. I definitely will be hooping in that. And I'm telling you guys, the voice, our golden voice of um, what we're pissing is Hero League Ball. That's on the way. We're getting a, a hoop lead together, linking up with Gus Weaver, the 313 Life brand. Shout out to him, man. He's been doing a lot with Lindsey Hunter and those hoop sessions and hoop runs out in Canton and such. Shout and we're going to be getting Hunter. some stuff going. We're going to be incorporating Jalen. But the golden voice, though, that's going to be making sure you guys understand what's going on in these streams. It's a man right here, Shashan Murphy. I, I look forward to it. I, I really do. He is our he is our uh, Wilbur Pistons Hero Ball League, George Blaha, and it's going to be Invitational League as well. We're going to start off with just just a tournament first. Just come out and run. I'll get some people acclimated, and then we're going to have a full on league. It's going to be drafts. It's going to be streamed. It's going to be fun. It's going to be trades. It's going to be a dope experience. And we're hoping that we could turn up this summer with you all. Sean, man, any words before we sign off? Just want to say thank you all for tuning in and supporting. We appreciate all the, you know, continued support that we get. Just going to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yo, let's sign up real quick. Oh, oh, you best (laughs) believe we'll get that Mason introduction going, Jalen. Don't you worry. But yeah, man, just like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of the content coming up. But also, 
just be sure that you're tuned in because you know we are you know we have been slowing down a little bit with the off season but now you know things are going to start gearing up again in full gear so you know with every once we get that head coaching announcement once we know where we're going and you know where we're drafting in the lottery a lot of things are going to start moving real quick and i'm excited to cover it oh man bro i can't wait just just a little bit longer the whole yeah. team is going to be together the whole crew is going to be together it's going to be it's great gonna be live right. i can't wait like y'all don't understand bro like like we really love each other as family in this thing uh we've supported each other a lot i looked up and now it's like two and a half years since i've been with Uber sports um really our first season you know covering the pistons officially and uh it's felt like family really uh there's a lot of people i can't wait to meet and i can't wait to get my bros uh jeff obviously and sean sean is all the way out in grand rapids y'all don't get it we keep in touch as much as we can we support each other and we really care about each other's personal lives so i can't wait man i dig it all yeah let's I'm rock just out man. get back out to detroit again man it's going to be a great time to be out there with my boys and with the crew and it's going to be great man yeah i can't I, I i'm looking forward to it but look hey y'all come on out when the invitational drops we're going to definitely say some stuff about it on our show so those that are on the show those who tap in y'all get all the details and then we'll also send out invites to those in the media as well we try and get some other people out there maybe i can get kooka hill out there if y'all follow these people y'all go out there and let them know that weekend we're trying to get some run in but like kooka hill eli blashy bashy um it's just anybody out there that says that they can hoop man let's try and get it in i think it's gonna be a fun time but look i had fun today we're gonna be uh definitely bringing our personalities onto the screen a lot more try and make sure the breaking news is covered try and make sure that any of the news is covered and then at the end of it, just try and make sure that we're having fun together, man. Try and preach and push that positivity. And Sean, bro, love you, Brody. Till next time, you all. Definitely. Oh, you know what? No. Come on. <laughs> what is this ex what is this outro gonna end? <laughs> this oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, man. No. No. <laughs> Hey, the Dylan Brooks of it all. I gotta go until the until the street.